Hi, friends. This is Pastor Dan Jackson. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Jacobswell Church. My hope and prayer is that this message will be a blessing to you and lead you into worshiping and enjoying our great and gracious God. With that said, let me encourage you to use this message as a supplement to and not a replacement of a local church. Christ did not establish his church simply for us to consume messages, but so that we could be intimately invested in each other's lives as an authentic covenant community. Again, thank you for listening. And if you want more information about Jacobswell Church, please visit our website at www.jacobswellgb.org. Good morning, friends. Uh, my name is Jonathan. I'm the director of Hispanic Ministries, and it's a privilege and a joy to be here with you this morning. Um, uh, we are continuing uh, with the series on 1 Thessalonians, so please open your Bibles at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 11. The title for today's message is The Second Coming of the Lord. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. What people are saying there is peace and security. Then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore... Encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, let's pray. Join me in prayer. Father, we pray uh, now that you uh, talk to our hearts, open our eyes to see. Help us uh, see you in these words. Help us live in the expectation of your coming. We pray now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like I said, we are continuing with uh, the series and uh, chapter 5. And um, uh, our text asks specifically about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we know he came as a baby, and we celebrate that on Christmas. Uh, today we'll be reminded that he's coming a second time. Uh, this time he won't be back as a baby. Uh, we heard last week how he's coming back. He will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. Last week, we talked about how he will return. 
And in today's message, we'll talk about how we prepare for that. How do we prepare for the return of Christ? We want to see Jesus again. And that's our desire. Let me tell you a funny story. Uh, when I was uh, telling uh, my son Elias, he's uh, eight, but when I was telling this, uh, he was around four or five. And I was telling him that uh, Jesus is coming back and, and you, you'll be able to see him again and we'll see him face to face. And he asked me, uh, when will this happen? I said, well, uh, it's either when he takes you, takes you with him when you die or, or when he comes back. And he said, Dad, I want to die. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 it's not like that. It's not like that. But uh, this, this idea, I just, just want to go and, and I want to see him. That's the idea. Well, our text, our first point that we're going to see on, first, on verses 1 through 5 is the prediction of God's children. Uh, the prediction for God's children. How do you prepare for the return of Christ? And the way that you prepare for the return of Christ is not by trying to find the exact date of his return. Not, not trying to figure out when. And, and what date? The apostles, the apostles asked, asked Jesus this same question in Acts 1. They said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So they don't know when Jesus is returning, but they are sure of one thing. They know that he will return. In the same chapter on verse, nine, uh, on verse 9, as they were looking up in heaven, uh, it says that he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. There's two persons next to the apostles and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken out from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him going to heaven. Just as you saw him go, that's the way he'll, he'll come back. So it's a promise, and they, they know for sure that he will come back. Look with me in verse 1. It says, Now concerning the times and the seasons, of brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. So concerning the date or the season or the year, you have no need to know. What they need, the, the, the Thessalonians church, what they need to know is that they need to prepare. That's what they got to do. They, they need to prepare. They need to know how to live in preparation for the Lord's return. That is more important than knowing the timing of his return. Uh, Matthew, Matthew 24, chapter 24 says, concerning that day, an hour of his return, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Not even the Son knows when exactly is the return. So instead of trying to find out when, believers should wait patiently and always be prepared for his appearance. Uh, look at verse 2 with me. So he's... Just let me say this before we go to verse 2. So in his, in his divinity, 
He's, he, Jesus is God, but in his humanity, he, he's not willing and able to, to say, this is the date. So he doesn't want us to worry for that day or for the time, but he wants us to prepare. Um, verse 2, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's verse 2. So he's saying you yourselves are aware. The church in Thessalonica knows about this. They understand that Jesus is, is coming back in the time of least expected. The, the day of the Lord is the second coming of the Lord. It refers to the time uh, when God judges his enemies, when God will judge its enemies, when God delivers his people, when God establishes his reign. And there are also other names for this day. Like in Philippians, it's given the name, the, le the day of Christ. Or the day of Jesus Christ. In Corinthians, it's called the day of our Lord Jesus. The day of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's sometimes called as simply as the day. The day, or that day. Or the parousia, the presence or arrival. The day when he uh, is returning And that day is going to come, like our verse, uh, verse 2 says, like a thief in the night. The thief does not give notice of his approach. Thieves is still, is still primarily at night uh, and sudden and unexpected, right? Uh, without warning. It's uh, unforeseen and unaware. And that's what we are told in, in, in the chapter, chapter 12 of Luke. It says, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. It says, verse 44, also, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. The hour you do not expect. Do you expect that the Lord Jesus will come at this hour? At 9 a.m., if you feel like, no, I don't think, I don't expect for Jesus to come at 9 a.m., well, this might be the hour, the, the hour you do not expect. Matthew 24 says, for as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Unexpected. In the day less expected. Uh, look with me at verse 3. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. When people are saying peace and security, when there's no trouble in the city, when uh, there are harmonious relations and absence of war and governments are in agreement and grace and peace, peace between individuals, security, prosperity, stability, assurance from danger, personal safety. It says, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, sudden and unavoidable. Those are uh, 
characteristics of these pains that they come unexpected and they are unavoidable. No escape, no successful runaway. It can be avoided, no, no place to hide. That's the idea. So the first illustration of the teeth of the night teaches us that there will be no warning for his coming. And the second illustration of the pregnant woman teaches us that it is sudden, painful, and unavoidable. And an important point about both of these illustrations is that you can make preparations. So you can have a plan for, uh, for a, a thief or a protection against a thief, like a safe or alarm system, etc. cetera, Se- uh, ca- uh, security cameras installed. There, there's, there's ways to prepare for that. And you can have a plan for when, when the baby is going to be delivered or, or in the labor, such as having like the bags packed and, and friends on call to watch your older kids. There is preparation that you are able uh, to do. Um, so the idea is that we, we need to prepare for this. But there's, there's been a prediction. We have been told that heat's coming, and we need to be ready for this. Um, my family, uh, my, my, my kids especially, they, they love this classic movie, right? And uh, I'm sure you do too, uh, the Home Alone movie. And, and, and they always play uh, making pranks and getting things at home uh, for, for when they're alone and when the thief comes, Right? And sometimes when I, I go out in the car and Gracie's in, in, inside and I just go for like 30 seconds, I said, hey, Gracie, you're going to be home alone. And, I, and she's excited and, and, and she starts doing things. But the idea is that uh, the, the, there's a way to be prepared. And, and we'll, we're going to uh, learn how, how uh, we could be prepared. And they're going to give us, Paul is going to give us five things of how we can be prepared. Uh, look at verse 4 and 5 with me. It says, but you're not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So he says, but you, not these other unbelievers who are unaware, but you, church, you who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's going to be different for you. It says you're not in darkness. That's what our text says. It's not going to surprise you. It's not going to be a surprise for you. You are children of God, children of light and day. You are not of the night. But you, the Thessalonian Christians, are not among the people who say peace and security. And upon whom sudden destruction will come. Ephesians 5 says... Once you were darkness, and that's true for all of us, but now you are light in the Lord. The day of the Lord will not surprise you like a thief in the night. It will be a surprise for unbelievers, those who have not come to the light but still live in darkness. Those will be caught off guard by the day when it comes. We are not of the night or of the darkness. We don't belong to the night of darkness. This darkness refers to the world dominated by evil, sinfulness, and ignorance of, of God and his ways. The New Testament uses this word as those who are blind to the gospel or, and under the power of sin. 
Light is dominated by, by righteousness, goodness, and the knowledge of God. That day won't be a surprise for you. For you are not in darkness. You are a, of a particular group. You are a son and a daughter. You who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you that in Green Bay, I have seen, uh, this, it's been two years for me here in Green Bay, moving from Illinois. And I've seen uh, amazing things in the sky of Green Bay. I have seen pink and, and red skies and, 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 uh, and full of stars, nights of full of stars. And I've seen clouds where uh, there's so strong light in between the clouds, like a, like a window open. And I asked myself, could, could, could this be the day? One day I heard uh, thunders, but they were like five or six together at night, so loud. I was wondering, could this be the day? I was wondering if, if we could feel this way, in that expectancy of feeling, could this be the day? Could this be the hour when, he, when we see him in coming, in coming in the clouds? We don't need to know when, but... We do need to remember that it will happen. Now on our, on our verse 6, we have the direct exhortation about how we should prepare for his arrival. So now we're going to see how is the preparation for God's children. Look at verse 6. So then let us not sleep as others do. But let us keep awake. And sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So now Paul wants to tell them how to prepare. He wants to tell us how to prepare for that day. Just as the people of the, uh, Thessalonica, the church in Thessalonica, are listening, are reading these instructions, we should also be paying an, a close attention of these instructions. And he gives us five things. And the first one is on verse 6. It says, stay, stay awake. But for some, maybe it's already too late. They're already sleeping. <laughs> Let me tell you an interesting story. Uh, my nieces came to visit uh, us from Mexico. And uh, they stayed for a couple of weeks. And they're, they're young adults. And, um, and they, we were talking about dating. And they started saying how they would like their, their man, their prince to be. Right? Uh, so they were describing how they wanted their man uh, the, the men of their dream, this prince in, uh, in the white horse, right? They were saying, and it was a long list. They said we wanted strong and handsome and someone who is godly and who likes to read and a gentleman with a job, of course. And, uh, so, uh, and I asked them, okay, uh, uh, so how are you preparing for this man? Are you the, the type of woman who will be ready for this type of man? So the idea is that we should be preparing. And the first thing we are told is to stay awake. And uh, we have a, a, a good passage that tells us more about what this means. Mark chapter 13 says, Because concerning that day and that hour, no one knows, not even the angels, 
Not the son, not the father. It says, but be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when this time will come. And it gives us an illustration. It's like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. So the idea is that we need to stay alert, listening to the word of God, paying attention what uh, what God wants for our lives, paying attention to what God wants for our marriages, uh, being ready for ministry opportunities, being ready to serve, staying awake. The second thing we are told is to be sober, and that's also in verse 6. Be sober. So sleep and drunkenness are associated with, with night in contrast with watchfulness and sobriety, um, which, which is appropriate for the sons of day. The idea is to be watchful. Uh, being under the influence of alcohol or any other substance means being unprepared. Being sober means refraining from carnal, carnal indulgence. It means you must always be on your guard against sin and temptation. We could be drunk by things... Uh, but uh, of alcohol and, and related, but also by other things. We could be drunk with pride or drunk with passion, drunk with greediness, drunk with self-conceit or wine. Verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Paul tells us to put the armor of light. Romans 13 says, the night is far gone, the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Putting on the helmet and the breastplate. The helmet and the breastplate defend the two vital parts, the head and the heart. The head needs to be kept from error, and the heart needs to be kept from sin. So this faith, love, and hope are the three essential um, uh, of, uh, of a Christian character, the characteristics of a Christian uh, man. Uh, verse 8 says, cultivate faith. Faith is the first one, then love, then hope. We must live by faith, and this will... Keep us watchful and, and sober. Faith is dependence of, of God. Faith is an essential protection against temptations. Faith is the trust in God's promise uh, for our lives and God's, and God's plan and, and God's truth. The fourth thing uh, we are told is to cultivate love. We must get a heart inflamed with love. And this will also be our defense. Love for the love and love for one another. 
and, and we sometimes only want to love the Lord. But it's love for, for each other. Love for God is essential, and love for Him will produce, love for Him will produce obedience to Him. And last thing, cultivate hope. Last thing for, uh, uh, of, of those five things is hard. Not last thing for the sermon. Don't start getting up. Cultivate hope, the hope of eternal life, the hope of salvation. This hope will be the helmet to protect our head. No matter what tragedy happened, no matter how bad the circumstances look, this hope that we have in the salvation of Jesus Christ, we have to protect, will protect our minds. Our future salvation is guaranteed, and nothing can take it away. Paul mentioned this already in chapter 1. Uh, in verse 2, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly you in, mentioning you in our prayers. Remembering before God our Father, your work of faith, our labor of love, and a steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are already cultivating these things, but let us keep growing and increasing our work of faith, our labor of love, and our hope and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Our third point comes from verse 9 to 11. The predestination for God's children. Verse 9. For God has not predestined us for wrath. Jesus Christ has appointed us for a destination. God has not destined us for wrath. God has destined us for salvation. God has destined us for, for justification. God has predestined us for redemption, for, for from the control of sin, for not being under the control of sin, to be adopted into God's family, to be more and more like Christ, to be preserved from wrath, and to enjoy the hope of glory. Romans 5 says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. We are not destined for wrath. There is wrath and judgment coming to those who turn, who turn their ears away. In 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1 says, but we wait for Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. So the things that happen to us in this world are not coming from his wrath. Believers should not consider persecution to signify God's wrath. Faith and suffering are both part of the Christian life. We should not see our suffering as God's wrath against our sins. Believers are not destined for wrath. That's what we are told in Philippians 1. He has granted to you for the sake of Christ. You should not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. So believers are destined to obtain salvation with absolute certainty. Verse 1, uh, chapter 1 says, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. And we, we could ask, how can that be? We are sinners. We, we deserve wrath. Not just for what we did some 
long time ago, but for what we did yesterday and, and this morning, how can God just say, no wrath for you, sinner? Look at, let's look at verse 9. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. It's through our Lord Jesus Christ that we are destined for salvation. So whether we are alive or dead, when he returns, we will be with him. Or wake or asleep, we will be and we will live with him. Now we will conclude in verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Help one another grow spiritually. So it's in, in view of, of such a great salvation, in love for such a, a great Savior, and in the light of his soon return, we should encourage each other. We should build each other up with the word of God because we will live together with him. We should encourage each other now. Every church member has a duty to help in building up Christ's community. So it might attain spiritual maturity. So Paul finishes by saying, just as you are doing. So keep doing what you're doing. Keep encouraging one another. Keep building each other up just as you are doing. So Jacob's well, children, you have not been appointed for wrath. You have been appointed for salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for you. We must not ignore the coming of Jesus Christ. We shouldn't dare to pretend that it will never happen. Instead, we must live with the expectation of seeing the fullness of light. It has been predicted to us that he's coming back. Let's prepare for his arrival, knowing that we have been predestined for salvation. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have promised to us that you, you will come back. You predicted this to us. We can prepare knowing that soon we will see you and we will live with you. And we thank you for Jesus Christ, that through him we are destined, not for wrath, but for salvation. Amen.